the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 239 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. is up you savages this is the protect your neck podcast and i am your host dan tom analyst whose work you can find at mmajunkie.com as well as mma junkie radio Boch. on this year podcast the protect your neck podcast we break down high level mma that's what we're gonna do here today tonight whenever you're listening to this hopefully it's before the fight because i'm recording it uh afternoon time here in vegas it's supposed to be early afternoon i'll admit it's a little bit later afternoon fourth of july here Hey, working on a holiday. Give me a break. And it's still earlier than usual, but I will apologize in advance because, uh, not just for if you hear, you know, fireworks pop off in the background, but, uh, old Benji boy gave him some CBD for, for the anxiety, but, uh, he may, he may, he may pop off. We'll see. We will see. But, uh, yeah, I had to, I had to insert that little book in there per request if you heard the last episode. Per request of Aaron Bronstetter, shouts to him, and thanks again. That was a fun little episode there, uh, squeezing in a little bit of top five action, making up for these last-minute things, been trying to squeeze in some extra content these past few weeks. So hopefully you guys are enjoying. In fact, I'm going to be wasting very little time since we already had that episode. I'm actually going to skip the recap of results from last week. Uh, you know, Damian Maya, yay. Uh, other than that, you know, uh, you guys know by now. Um, I already touched a lot of topics on the last podcast, so honestly, I just want to get right into it. Just thank you again, listeners, and shouts to my media friends. Hopefully, I know I've been kind of dwelling in the cave. I didn't really get a chance to go to the MMA Awards, but uh, shouts to all my media friends in town, the ones I've seen, and the ones I haven't. Hopefully, I see you. I'll be at MMA Junkie Radio Studios tomorrow. Any listeners hanging about? Can uh, can come by there. All right, that, that that pretty much tidies it up, and we're uh, just a couple minutes in. And uh, before we get off, I'm actually, you know, I, I, it makes between I've been really bad this week, so it's like eff it. But also, I was really good today. Ate very clean, got a nice workout in. Uh, just you know, uh, just finished that workout, and uh, you know, I'm gonna enjoy a frosty one. It's Fourth of July, right? So if you guys have one, if you're listening in the appropriate time where you can have one, hopefully. You're not at work or anything like that. Hopefully, you're not behind the wheel. And if you're not, then cheers with me, listeners. Salud. Mm-mm. Keeping it light with some Heller High Watermelon Wheat Ale. I don't usually drink the wheat beers. Uh, wheat, yeah, wheat beer. Uh, I usually don't drink the wheat beers. I usually drink IPAs, which I don't just triggered like half of Twitter, which... Apparently, it's cool to not like, or it's not cool to like IPAs, or cool to dislike. Either way, my contrarian, this is going to kick in double from liking IPAs back when it wasn't the cool thing to like, and, uh, you know, I'm going to continue and double down, but no, not today, it's just a wheat beer, just a wheat beer, keeping it light, and uh, we're going to go start from top, top to bottom, as we usually do, folks. On this here podcast, top three fights are going to have in-depth breakdowns. MMA Junkie, I don't think yeah the Masvidal Askren one hasn't dropped. Should be dropping tonight. Um, by the time this podcast hits, it should be out, I guess. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Some videos over there with the man himself, John Morgan. Uh, always fun shooting, shooting those. I've been having a couple of different locations, but it seems like you guys have been noticing and digging it. So thank you, thank you very much, uh, and, and thank you to the the. Venues, whether it be the Fight Dome over there at the Rio, uh, a nice little show they got there, by the way, or uh, <laughs> pulling double duty over there at the Apex. So, uh, yeah, all right. Um, contender Series next week, y'all. We got Tiago Santos as, yes, the underdog. Surprise, surprise, plus 550. John Jones, minus 800. Um, the chalk should probably continue to go up with the Palais, although, you know, John Jones, minus 212, which... Uh, got bet up, but 
you could still argue low, you know. Uh, but yeah, you also feel cursed. I, I always do. It was also hit or miss. You, you also feel like you're getting value with a D- Demetrius Johnson under John Jones by getting those inside the distance lines if you felt it was a matchup where they get the finish. And then it's those matchups where they tend to not. But uh, I guess the reason why I predicted John Jones, and not I didn't technically predict a first-round finish. I just said he's going to take the first round to figure him out and then finish him shortly after. So I think by the second he's going to have his finish there. And not just the figuring out thing, taking around, which a lot of the greats do, but also Tiago Santos means what he says. And, you know, it wouldn't be a surprise. We've seen him do it how many times before and really goes at it. He may just seal his own fate, whether it be a good fate and he catches John Jones or it be a bad fate and he forces John Jones' hand. So that is more my reason for the Jones uh, winning earlier than later. Uh, I think he's going to, you know, force the hand there. Um it's hard to develop theories, you know. There's still the height theory, you know, floated around as far as why he goes to decisions with these guys. And I believe there's something to that because boxing range has been the last to develop. Boxing range is where you're going to feel length the most. Um, hence him hiding behind his kicks for so long. And I'm not saying that in a disparaging way. Like, he's scared, he's hiding behind. But no, I mean, he's, he's you know, he's hiding his chin behind his kicks. Like he said, he... Anybody can get caught on the chin. You just have to be smart enough, set things up, evade things. Um, and Santos doesn't really do that, no. But at the same time, you know, he's still maturing. Uh, he's, he's come a long way. Um, you know, shouts, by the way, to uh, uh, Fernanda Pratis over at the Athletic. She always writes great stuff when it comes to Tiago Santos. Uh, Lord knows we couldn't get much out of him over on Junkie Radio. Granted, obviously, language barrier at play, but still, you know, shouts shout, shout to, to uh, Fernanda. Um, and yeah, Tiago Santos has come a long way. Uh, and, and then in his last fight, you look against Jan Blakowicz, Blakovic. He, uh, you know, he shows you know uh, good discipline, and he, he's he, you know. Uh, still winding up on his check hooks where he was like throwing himself out of position, but. You know, he stepped back. He shifts back to a southpaw stance and catches Jan coming in with the perfect shot to, you know, really earn the first real stoppage of Jan's career. That's not including the armbar loss super early in Jan's career, uh, uh, or the TKO retirement, which I believe was based off an of injury knee event that loss against Sokaju. Tiago Santos just caught him devastatingly clean. Uh, it's still kind of awkward looking the shot, but everything was in play to do the damage, and then you know, followed up with the. Uh, bunch of hammer fists there so um but i think if he does that you know it could be bad because you're, you're giving jones time but here's the other scenario which i i dropped my pen but i don't need it which i outlined um in in the breakdown it's that and and i've, I've outlined this kind of weakness before but it, this will make tiago sanchez interesting which you know you could say, oh, he's not like any other opponent. Well, you can always say that, right, technically. But here's where uh, the truth to that statement plays interesting with, with something that I've kind of always stated about John Jones, which is um, maybe not so visibly in the last couple of fights, but throughout his career, um, in victory or in victory, <laughs> uh, he has uh, in close victory or, or dominant victory. Uh, it's not been uncommon to see him limp um, and consistently kind of have, you know, uh, issues there. Um, obviously, the toe was kind of a freakish one with with Sun and, but uh, aside from that, it's it's not been uncommon to see him limping, you know, from the field of battle. You know, he always has his cornerman's kind of arms around his cornerman, the, the, the walking out that way a lot of a lot of the times. And Bones Jones, they call him Bones because those bony legs. And like I said, uh, you know using kicking to deter and protect himself as, and being so reliant on his kicks. His leg dexterity and athleticism is great. Why not? But there's no biological free lunch. In other words, nothing comes for free. And when you have small legs like that or skinny legs like that and you're kicking, you're kicking, you're kicking, is eventually you're going to pay You're going to pay the piper in one way or another. Um, so with that said, if Tiago not just paces himself or he's more is more patient like he was in the Blukovich fight. He actually was a little more boxing-centric, which is good. He's improving those skills. He needs to improve those skills himself. He's very similar. 
not not similar to Jones uh, at all in style, but as far as the dynamic and theory of mm, boxing ranges where I've kind of been taxed. I uh, look at the David Branch fight, even fights that he won. Jack Marshman was able to tag him. Um, you know, let me use my kicks, and and so it's good that he's doing it. But if he's not just patient, but draws Jones into a kicking game and gets him to kick with him. Whether he's kicking at Jones's arms or blocking Jones's kicks, and you know, God willing, landing a knockout kick or devastating body kick to the liver. No one's uh, too tough to go down from a liver shot, right? Thiago's got that mean left kick. Um, so there, are, there are paths beyond your proverbial puncher's chance. Uh, but like I say in the breakdown, for, against a guy who's just seemingly but a clinch exchange away from changing the whole dynamic of this fight. I, I can't really go against him. Um, I'll have Jones in some parlays. Like I, I do my fun f- for fun parlay of the main card. But it's so high that I may take a bite and curse every, all the inside the distance betters by, by taking a chunk out of that inside the distance bet. But um, aside from that, I mean, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm probably going to just stay away uh, and just maybe even sprinkle some on Santos if that gets north of 600. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to, you know, again, my breakdown of my analysis, what it is, I, I fucking stand by it. And even when I'm right, I'm not an I told you so person. But, like, um, I'm not going to lie. Part of me, you know, if the king does go down, I want to have some, I want to have some, some, some in on it on a, <laughs> on a, on a personal level. But, you know, being fair and as an analyst, man, I cannot deny the man, uh, regardless of how he does it. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what his motivation starts. So weird. This is like international fight week. There's no John Jones. Shen- I don't know. Knocking on wood. No John Jones shenanigans or any shit like that. We'll see what goes on tomorrow. The weigh-ins. See if the fireworks. You know. Hopefully the fireworks stop. They don't carry over to July 5th on a weigh-in day. But the pick is Jones. Uh, round two. All right. Amanda Nunez minus 420, bro. Uh, Holly Holm comeback plus 335. Um. Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting one. You know, I I I, I like the narrative out there that, that you know, the media is throwing out there as far as you know, I you know, it's just our job. You know, you look at the, try to take the angles and look at the angles and different uh, things that maybe aren't being looking at angles and storylines that aren't being, and maybe Holly Holmes being overlooked. You know, she's older. She's had so many title shots. Amanda Nunes has looked nothing short of, you know almost invincible in the latter stages of her career. Uh, you know, just the, just the the close fight to Shevchenko on the second one, I should say, was the close one. And other than that, since the Amanda Nunez lost, she's looked great, improved her skills. Um, so, so yeah, uh, I, I can see why the line is as it is. Um, I picked Amanda Nunez. Again, the breakdown is up on Junkie. Uh, you bet your ass I'd like to proceed and stay logged in. Um, Sorry, I'm talking to my computer. Uh, you know, I, I picked her, but, you know, yeah, the, the, there's definitely pass for Holly Holm, especially if she can avoid the big counters early. Uh, she can draw this into a competitive fight, uh, especially on the scorecards. You know, she's a consistent round winner, regardless of what you think of her style. The key eyeing, the volume, that main, a lot of it will hit the air and it'll punctuate with a hard kick. Hey, you know, she's still scoring. Um, if Amanda Nunes is careless, she could... She could fall behind that way. But her counters are not traditional counters, not like Shevchenko, but she stalks, pressures, and forces situations that she can counter within. And uh, it's that, that uh, if she continues that trend, um, I kind of see her doing a similar deal to Jermaine Durand. Uh, uh, I mean, counter right hands from either stance have been Holmes' kryptonite in both boxing and MMA. Um which is why I called for not just Shevchenko to win at the time, but I also predicted heavily that the check right hook was going to be the, the shot to look out for, and so it was. Uh, and and, and w- which was also the case uh, with uh, Durandamy. Um, oh, after the bell, like she was hitting her counter right hands all night, and the shots after the bell were continued combinations off of what she already hit her with. And Todd Anderson, who just. I'm always poking at that guy, but God damn, does he just fuck up important? They keep putting him in important fights in New York, and I just I cringe every time. Um, especially when it was like those PFL fights for a million dollars. Oh Jesus, they got fucking Todd Anderson in there. 
He's like a Kenbo karate guy. I think I got I have love for him, but but I'm just trying to I'm just being honest, judging judging him judging him as I see the performances. Um. By the way, shouts to Jason Herzog. He does an awesome job. Uh. Anyways, um, what the fuck was I talking about? Yeah, I think it's gonna look like that, but uh, may have more of the chance to get the finish than GDR did because you know obviously the wrestling in her back pocket. Nunez doesn't like to go to it too much because even though. Her cardio appears to be improved. I think, you know, she still has a fear of tiring herself. You know, that Pennington fight wasn't, you know, and the Shevchenko fights weren't the most torrid pace. She was in the driver's seat firmly with the Pennington one. So, yeah, she went the five rounds in both in different ways, but they weren't the most craziest fights. So, um, and, you know, she's been looking like. Uh, you go back and look at her older fights. She just looks bigger and bigger in between weighing in, and a lot of it's good and strong. I mean, she's putting it to good use, you know. Um, but her 135 cuts weren't haven't been easy for the for you know the past couple of years now. You know, it's been kind of kind of somewhat clear and obvious. And now she's coming back from 145. Oof. You know, what if she has a bad weight cut? Um, she's back here in Vegas with the sinusitis. You know, uh, Holly Holm, you know, it, not to be cliche, but she really could kind of, the stage could be set, and we just don't know don't know it yet for a Holly Holm upset. So if anybody's playing that, you're not the craziest in the world. I just see paths for Nunez both in decision and inside the distance. I think she gets it done inside the distance. I think it gets sketchy if it goes to a decision. Um, but I, I think she gets it done by the third round. I think just those punishing right hands, that power... And the fact that she really knows how to throw it and really get behind it. Um, it's just something else right now. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Amanda. I'll be honest, I stayed away. Um, I stayed away. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to do the, the for fun sprinkle like I hinted I may do with Tiago Santos. I haven't done that with him, by the way. It's just a hint I may just for fun, depending where that line goes. I'm not even going to hint or do anything like that with Holly's side of it or Amanda's. I don't know. I'm just, I got a weird, I got a weird feeling on this one. Um, you know, I've... It's nothing against Holly at all. Uh, I, I'm sure if I met her, she'd be a nice person. But uh, it's, as far as a fighter, I, yeah, I don't, maybe it's just the matchups because she's always in tough matchups. I've been a, you know, from the outside. Perhaps it seems like I'm a little reluctant to pick her. That's fair. Um, and Amanda Nunes, you know, I, uh, I how can you not be a fan of what she's doing? Uh, how can you not be a, unless you're like a hate monger? How can you not be a fan of her and Nina? But. <laughs> As a fighter, uh, pretty Ben, it's okay. It's all right, relax. Relax. You're on the podcast now. I know. Okay. Uh, but as a fighter, she, uh, as a fighter, she, you know, what was I saying? Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, no. I, I, I've definitely taken my shots at Amanda News, I guess what I was trying to say. I was trying to find a nicer way to say it. But yeah, you know, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I haven't, I haven't been the biggest fan of many of the past. She's, she seems much nicer now, but early in her career, she she did some, uh, she's pulled some uh, unsportsman, unsportswoman-like, uh, and unsportsman-like shit. Uh, that, all, that just always rubbed me the wrong way. But uh, but yeah, man, she, she she's a beast and all credit to her, and I've never not given her that credit and don't plan on doing it now or anytime soon. So Amanda Nunez, round three. Uh, ben Askren, minus 220. This line's gotten tight versus Jorge Masvidal, plus 180. Now, I'm curious, you know, is, you know, we're talking about what's in and what's not in, and, you know, for the hardcore, is Jorge Masvidal's always been in, and he should be. Fucking one of the only guys I put undefeated in the streets in my supplemental info. Someone actually had a problem with that. Like, they were taking it seriously. Like, how does that even matter? <laughs> like, okay, if you're going to criticize it, don't criticize it in a way where you accept something so sounding so ridiculous as truth, yet still choose to criticize it. Come on, it's Jorge fucking Masvidal. By the way, Jan Blakowicz was uh, talking a lot about Jan. We still haven't got to his fight. Jan Blakowicz was in the junkie radio studio this week and just awesome guy, awesome guy. Um, but uh, he was saying he's undefeated in the streets, too. I don't know if he was quoting Ori Masvidal, but it was just awesome to hear that guy just kind of in his Polish accent goes, I'm undefeated in streets. Undefeated. Um, so that's, that's uh, Jan Blakovich there. But, uh, but no, th this matchup, uh, Masvidal, you can't not be a fan of him. But I don't know if the Darren, Hill, Till, Darren Till hype was still going uh, hard. And even though I pick against Darren Till, I've been a big fan of him. Uh, 
I just, you know, when I'm deciding the matchups and really looking over the tape, uh, yeah, it wasn't quite sold, and I, and I feel that that kind of panned out fairly. However, uh, even though I picked Masvidal, I didn't necessarily see him icing him cold uh, like that per se. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, I, that was a great, you know, a good cash as a gambler, great as a fan. Uh, good as an analyst, making you know, pick, picking the right guy, whatever checkbox I guess you want to draw up, and it's one of those things I always talk about here. Whether we get things wrong or right, we tend to overcorrect the steering wheels and them, especially when we get things wrong. And I think a lot of people, even if they weren't on till, maybe they weren't confident enough to play Masvidal, and that was such a party. You know, you get the Leon Edwards. Like I think everybody wanted in on that party, and they don't want to miss out on the Masvidal party. Masvidal has only been fire since, man. Uh, he's looking great with his uh, Jesus hair and his, uh, his uh, you know, Tony Montana uh, running, drug running uh, shirts. You know, early Tony Montana before he was full suit, you know, it was, it was, uh, and he's wearing those kind of uh, Miami, Florida shirts. He's doing his own version of that, uh, Jorge is. Um, so, yeah, man, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is that. And with Ben Askren, it's still, there's still a easy argument and a fair argument an easy one to make that we we don't know we don't know where his levels yet he only had one fight and the majority of that fight he was getting his face smashed in but the reason why i picked him to beat robbie despite even knowing even less before that fight was because you know people were like and people still aren't giving ben credit not for the win that's fine to be controversial on that this to, to pretend that we know exactly what happened, that you know, it, it, it's tough. That was one of the more tougher calls. I'm not even going to try to convince either side because it's honestly not a part of my argument, nor was it a part of my assessment for this fight. Uh, but not even a lot of people are, are really even giving uh, Askren credit for being able to take those shots, or they are. They're saying, look at how he did. But they don't realize he's done that throughout his career. Um, first fight with Luis Santos wasn't going that great. Um comes back late. Uh, Alexei Oleksiakin was a, was a fight that, you know, was a big determining factor. Uh, I don't know if I got the guy's right, that first name right, but Oleksiakin, I'm pretty sure, is correct. And it's a gentleman he fought and won. A more stout, muscly, kind of Nicholas Dalby looking like welterweight. And uh, really under, well, probably one of the better guys he fought and won, if you're uh, familiar with the region of the guys fighting there. so. Um, but that fight was interesting because... And this is kind of why I said if this was a five-round fight, I probably would be picking Jorge. Um, spoiler alert, picking Ben. Um, if this was a five-round fight, I would pick Jorge because in that fight, a, more, a much more relevant fight where he took and had to come back from adversity, which is ultimately why he got the win and ultimately why credit to Askren. But in that fight, uh, he, he slows down in the later rounds. And even his opponent is kind of gassing himself out and really fighting his gas tank and running on second and third wins throughout the fight because he's having to counter-wrestle and get up so goddamn much. Uh, but despite that, he is still able to stage stage comebacks through part of the late, later on in the fight, if memory serves. I don't want to quote the exact rounds, but, um, you know, gave Askren some scares, and Askren really showed his mettle. Um and, and uh, push through, and then of course early on in his career, uh, Lyman Good, you know, rearranged his uh, his face there, and he was able to push through that, and that was really early on in his career, early early Bellator folks. So I mean, this guy's not used to, not, you know, despite being undefeated or whatever, like he's he's used to uh, adversity from strikes in an MMA, and in the MMA arena, um, and. He gets right back on the clock every time, even if it looks like he was temporarily clocked out in the Robbie Lawler fight uh, for a second there. Um, he clocks right back in. And, um, and yeah, ultimately, I'm just, I look at those things and I'm like, I know Masvidal is coming off his most devastating KO, and he's had some early in his career, the Eves Edwards one. Um, I, had to, I had to repost that one. Uh, I think... My man Capoza probably already 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 did already did. And he probably has a better one though. But uh, I love that one. And not nothing against Eve Edwards. You guys know Eve Edwards, my favorite southpaw. But uh, you know Jorge can can get and that was a kick by the granted. But uh, Jorge can get devastating KOs. But um, you know for the most part it's a cumulative and not cumulative like Diaz. But he hits way harder than a Diaz. I'm saying cumulative as in 
find rhythm, find rhythm, touch you with your left, touch with the left, maybe even mark you up, pop you, sting you with the right, uh, maybe even flash, knock you down, and then it's it's on, and his killer instinct's on, and he's going to the body, and he's unloading, uh, and yeah, he can get his, not, he has knockout power, yeah, he can do it in one punch if he lands just right, for sure, we've seen that, uh, kicks just right, for sure, we've seen that, but I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, I know we're splitting hairs between Masvidal and Lawler, but I don't know, man. Askren can survive that. I, I think he can. Uh, I think he can, you know, r- uh, wrestle for three rounds. And I'm not someone that's, you know, underrating Masvidal's wrestling. I know Mike Brown posted him with Yoel Romero. That stuff's always deceiving because it's like, okay, how much are they training together? You, and at the end of the day, Yoel Romero can't, go, go, you know, uh, go in there with him. Um, and at the end of the day, Askren's style is very unique. It always has been. Uh, and even more difficult to deal with in MMA because he can lock his hands, um, but or make sure yours don't <laughs> make sure yours uh, you know don't lock on any kind of grip with his wrist controls and wrist rides. Um, you know he 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 is another level on that. You got to be like the Marcelo Garcia's of the world to really tap uh, tap him. I mean he's had some close calls in his career for sure. I guess, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if uh, Jorge's gonna have to hurt him or Ben's gonna have to somehow be super tired. Uh, you know, I think. So I think here's what's gonna happen. I think essentially, and I say this in the video breakdown, I believe, but uh, I, 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 you know, essentially, I think Ben's gonna be able to um, win the first two rounds, but Jorge's gonna be keep making him work so goddamn hard for everything. Um, he's gonna be getting up where guys usually don't get up, and. Anytime he gets a little bit of separation, he's going to be super dangerous because he strikes off the brakes. The problem is, I'll be curious if Jorge goes to his patent striking off the brakes. I mean, he has to make everything worth it, but that's just exactly where Ben re-wrestles. And, and, and going to strike just may make it easier for Ben to duck under and re-wrestle him. So I think he's gonna. that's going to tire Ben out, and I think Ben's going to be pretty tired round three, and he's not going to be as effective. And Jorge... Jorge looks like he's in shape and he's training hard. That, that 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 break, as bad as that was, he really got in touch with himself, like he said, and uh, got in great shape because he was getting heavy for a second, you know, uh, by his own admission. And uh, and yeah, he looks like he's in great shape. So you're in good shape. You, you probably means you've been doing some wrestling too over there. So he knows what's coming at him. I picked Jorge to beat Maya. Maybe it's me overcorrecting there, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pick him to beat a specialist again because ultimately, even going back to guys who couldn't wrestle, could just do jiu-jitsu. Granted, this was a different Jorge Masvidal, but even Toby Amato's of the world earlier. Like, grapplers just have always been bad matches for Jorge. Um, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's a bad match. That's just always been a bad matchup for him. I didn't like this matchup when it was announced for a reason. Uh, and even though I think well, that popularity and the hype from Masvidal is really kind of, uh, you know, cranking cranking at us, I think um, I can't go with my heart here. You know, I got to go gotta go with my head. And uh, I think Askren gets the decision. I, I didn't play this one, I, you know, uh, again, just for the feeling, you know. Uh, I don't know if I'll, I want to sweat Askren and bet against my guy Jorge and I don't know if I want to bet against I don't know I want to bet Jorge in the spot either especially because everyone's everyone and their mom seems to be betting him right now and the line's going down to where it's not even for a fun stab um, but yeah I, I, I'm probably staying away aside from my like normal main car parlay alright next fight Luke Rockle minus 225 Jan Blakowicz plus 185 um, yeah I guess it's not too much of a surprise I think it we're all running the risk of disrespecting Luke Rockle because he could come out here and make himself look like a minus 400 favorite. I know he's against Michael Chiesa, but even just watching him still roll on his Instagram, like, he looks bigger than he's ever looked, but yet he moves like a fucking lightweight. It's insane. His dexterity is still there. Um, so if there's any knee problems, he was hitting his, like, re- reverse triangle, uh, reverse inverted triangle like he did on the uh, Tim Bush there. Uh, and just the way, he, and again, their play grappling to an extent, I'm sure, but um, he looks all there, man, and sadly still douchey as ever. Like, is like the guy could be the nicest guy in the world, but the fact that he looks the way he looks and, like, the surfer dude and was on the dating show, like, he's going to look like a douche, and then he doesn't help himself. Like, 
everything I've seen, like, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this guy looks so dude. And I honestly, I, I, I don't let that you know factor in my analysis. I think I've picked Rockhold to win every time. Yeah, I've picked him to win every time um, since I've been been been, uh, been doing this. Uh, and uh, and yeah, so it's not that like it gets in the way. This is actually the first time picking against him, and pretty risky when you consider it's Jan Blakovich. But I, I've also been a fan of Jan. You know, I feel like I've had a Really bad read on him at first, and then a, a better read on this kind of uh, renaissance he's had, you know, uh, training, making his rounds, and then now back at, at Poland and WCA, whatever, uh, WFCA, whatever, Berkut in Poland there. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a really durable guy. He's only, been, like I said, been stopped real early in his career uh, with an arm bar. This was like 12 years ago, folks. And, uh, you know, he's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu now. Um, that doesn't mean he can't get submitted, especially if he's hurt. Uh, but I'm just saying, you know, he's got that going for him for what that's worth. But Luke Rockhold will probably be the best grappler he's ever faced, too. So, again, super deceptive. Um, I like Jan, and I actually like him by decision here. I'm not even, like, fading Luke's chin, which could be an issue. Uh, I was trying to get Jan to talk about the left hand. I think he did in other interviews. Uh, but perhaps it was a language barrier, but he didn't... Uh, he just said not to worry about southpaws. He trains with a lot of southpaws. So, uh, and even though, granted, he did technically get knocked out by the southpaw stance last time, it was Thiago Santos who was shifting to it mid-shift, and it was the perfect shot again. So um, I don't think Luke's going to hit that perfect shot. I mean, he would need the perfect head kick, first of all. I don't think he's going to do it with his hands. Although Luke's hands have improved, you know. Looking back at his last couple fights under Henry Hooft, small sample size, but, you know, just doing different things, going orthodox and using leg, leg kicks to dissuade pressure, uh, getting better, slipping his head um, a little better offline with the jab, but also retracting his hand so when he comes up, he's not there for that hook, although he wasn't that great at doing it, and it was the main thing uh, his corner and Henry Hoof kept yelling at him. So they're definitely aware of Luke's weaknesses. Let's see if Jan is. Jan, he fights mainly from an orthodox stance, but from his left kick to his left hand, his left side of his body is his favorite side. He stated that uh, himself. So that's what I'm going to be looking for. And, you know, Luke Rockle, I think, was, like, dissing him, like, saying, like, I thought he said, like, he looks small. And, like, even my co-host George said that. Like, I don't think he said that to, to Blockwood's face, but he told me, like, he looks kind of small. I didn't really think so. Maybe because, you know, he's a light heavyweight. But, yeah, maybe perhaps in in, in context, sure. Maybe, maybe George thought he was bigger. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it wasn't, like, the most giant light heavyweight. But but Jan's a sturdy one, and it's a stern test. Uh, but I guess uh, Rockhold said something like, you have small feet, and Blockwood said, I'm going to make you taste these feet. So that'll be interesting, right? Um, see how that goes. But uh, this could be actually the first time Luke Rockhold loses a decision in his career. You know, he's only been he's only lost by knockout, and that could definitely happen in this fight too by Jan. But uh, I could also see him hurt Luke and kind of scare him off, and, and Luke being with the layoff and the injuries and just – kind of getting in his own head after getting hurt and and you know this is his first time with a new car at a weight class it's not always uh goes the way you think and 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 uh so we'll see you know we'll see i, I took a shot on jan block with still plus 185 at one unit all right next fight on the main card you didn't take a break after this i haven't drank booze in the podcast in a while Got me to go to the bathroom. Michael Kies, a minus three sixty. Diego Sanchez, plus three hundred. Wow, uh, this is one of two fights, perhaps possibly, um, that I've changed my mind on recently. Um, not really changed my mind on because I should say uh, I we, we we briefly touched on these. Uh, I talked about it a little bit because I wanted to get Aaron's leans on last podcast and I uh, was given some of my leans as well. But another reason why I don't like to talk leans and stuff before I actually have my research done because you got to watch the tape first. Even if you think you know these guys very well and they're fighters you quote-unquote know, narratives are a funny thing. Media uh, talking conversations, whether they're yours or ones you, li you listen to, they can all sway you. So you got to stay away from that, and I do my best uh, to stay away from all those things as best I can. Uh, I'm on the radio, so I kind of have to talk about certain things and whatnot, so um, there's that, but I, I do try to my best otherwise. Now, when I went to look at this footage um, yesterday after I recorded with uh, Aaron and go back and just 
like, wait, you know, just looking at me. Both guys have always, even though they're both grappling-based styles, so it doesn't matter that it's a southpaw and southpaw matchup. One, you know, Kiesa's 4-0 and Sanchez 4-0, Kiesa 3-0. But, like, man, I just think Sanchez is the better scrambler, the better, uh, you know, perhaps the better wrestler overall. I know Kiesa's frame does him a lot of favors, but as far as, like, wrestling goes, man, Sanchez, it's never been a problem for him. Um... Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt under Saulo Ribeiro. Dude's never been submitted. Um, he's on this renaissance because now he's finally fighting. It makes sense because before he was just doing that, you know, kind of really rote Mike Winkle, John kickboxing style. And except he was herky-jerky Diego Sanchez. So he would just get eaten up on that big losing streak he was on. Uh, maybe another reason why he, he's, he's left uh, Jackson Wink, seeing that, you know, just getting in touch with his roots. And he's done that stylistically, brought that to the octagon and, and I've been on the side. It's not been a, 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 a surprise in the sense that I picked him to win both those fights, but I just didn't expect him to look as good as he did uh, as, as far as Diego Sanchez goes. I'm not saying good like we got a title contender, folks. I'm talking in the context of Diego Sanchez, folks. I mean, this guy's been around, okay? Um, and he, he just looked really good. Now, the chin definitely could still be there. Even 170, he says it's not as much of a problem. He looks to be taking shots better. I'm sure there's some credence to that. That being said, um, let's be honest. The chin is definitely the first thing to have, uh, not first thing to go. It took a while because the guy could just go through anything for a while. Uh, but it's definitely um, the most unstable pillar holding up Diego Sanchez's chin. But I was like, geez, I thought Kiss at least had like one TKO victory. I'm like, no, he has no TKO victories. And in the little sample sizes we can see of him striking, like he looks a little better. But it's not enough to be like, you know, to, to be confident in it. I'm not really still really seeing, like, the power there. Like, there's still techniques and timing things that, like, that's where he's kind of improving. Like, oh, you're savvy. You know what's up. I mean, he's been fighting for a minute, Kiesa has now. Not as long as Diego Sanchez, but long enough for him to be savvy. And, and he shows some of those things even in his striking. But but uh, aside from just the old sure dog record saying so, but I, I just don't see anything there that's going to be a, a big striking threat to Sanchez. And, and, and even just on the ground, when he has time to ground and pound, He's more of a looking for submissions and passing kind of a guy anyways. And I just don't know if he's going to do that to Sanchez. Sanchez, I don't know if he's going to be able to hold him down. You know, Kiesa did show, like, he was not just stronger and bigger, but his grappling style demonstrated that. Like, anytime he could with Condit, Kiesa was, like, throwing a shoulder into him, which I love. Not enough people do shoulder pressure from half guard, especially if you're a back taker like Kiesa is. I mean, you're in half guard, throw a shoulder into him. That's like getting a, or even from a side mount, you know, throw a shoulder into their chin because you're persuading them to roll the way you want to give their back. Um, and you have plenty of options there and you can still strike and do some things. So, you know, uh, and he was doing that, which was great. But the problem was, and here's why I changed my pick. There, there were a couple exchanges. Now, Anthony Pettis is a talented grappler. So the fact that he submitted Kiesa, I guess, wasn't, wasn't that bad. But you, you look at it and one, you know, they were falsely calling that he was bra I don't know if he was breaking per se. I mean, Pettis, Pettis freaking rocked him before he submitted him. But then he kind of, he, he did kind of look like just when things weren't working after he got dominant positions or even got out of some, it just, you know, kind of like ah, disheartened him. And let's keep in mind, Michael Kies, it's not that he hasn't been in decision before. Again, he's an experienced fighter at this point in his career, but he was a first round finisher for the you know for the majority of it. it really just kind of gets after it and, and and finishes the first or second round so what i noticed is after those points i wouldn't say he looks weary but you know even in, in fights he wins he just doesn't look the most confident and uh you see jackson and wink and trying to get onto it you don't know how much of it is they see or they're just trying to pump up their fighter carlos but saying oh he's breaking he's breaking and uh you know, third round Carlos Condit's a motherfucker, so maybe they knew that they had just had to kind of get him there to that point. Uh, but yeah, but um, there's a scramble now. Condit obviously goes on to lose the fight, so it's kind of that's all kind of null and void. But there is a scramble though that happens, and I believe it's in the second round. Maybe it's even in the first. But uh, it's Kiesa, and he starts off. I can't remember the exact scramble, but I'm pretty sure he gets in on a takedown and gets it. And not only does kind of Carlos get back up. Um, he uh, is able to uh, he gets pushed to the fence Carlos is back to the fence Carlos was able to uh, 
actually turn him. And then there was, and either it was a turn and or there was a, a, a wrestling type scramble. And Carlos actually got the better of the scramble, uh, got his head and, and hips in the in, in the better spot, and got in on Kiesa and turned him to the fence. Now, Kiesa would use a kind of like a like I think it was like a Uchimata like hip bump toss threat to kind of create a scramble and, and separate again and, and reset the transition. But, like, he had a similar thing up against the cage, too. There was a, there was a, a, a scramble, and it was a second round, okay, I believe as well, uh, against Pettis. And Pettis, you know, outscrambled him as, as well. Now, Pettis is a good submission grappler, but as far as the wrestling scrambles, um, that hasn't exactly been Pettis' forte, anything wrestling, right? That, that's probably been his weakest pillar. So I'm like, these guys that aren't wrestlers and or known for their wrestling, in fact, known for their wrestling being the weakest part of their games, were able to contest when they wanted to try to. Then I think Condit realized he, he, he was playing the grappling game a little too much because Kiesa was just a stinky blanket in that fight. So then he kind of went to separate. but And that's where he was kind of just on defense. But if you look at the places where Carlos, uh, not just that scramble that I cited, but just the places Carlos, Pettis, or even other guys that maybe weren't necessarily wrestlers per se in scrambles, they were able to do well against Kiesa. So... You know, I, uh, and now you have, you know, Diego Sanchez, and not, not many guys were able to do much with him. I mean, even, um, you know, BJ hit the cool switch, and that, you know, and that's when he, you know, the best performance of his career, uh, and had some ground stuff, but he, he, he wasn't able to hold, even him, he wasn't even really able to take him out. He was able to kind of pin with the shoulder for a little bit, walk a north south, and kind of ride Diego, uh, but, Diego would eventually just go back to his feet and the round would end. There really wasn't much there. Um, and who else? Uh, what was the other fight I was going to uh, cite with uh, Diego Sanchez? Um, um, Marcin Held, obviously, a, a very dangerous grappler, and, and, and Diego Sanchez took him to task. I think that's where I kind of woke up, where I'm like, oh, that's right, these matchups are still winnable for Diego Sanchez. Um, I, I, you know, I, just, I just wasn't sure if I could trust him or not. And uh, if he's going to fight like this, then I will... Uh, then I won't trust him. Uh, it's all right, Ben. Hello. All right, I'm still there. Sorry, folks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna power through that. Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, Diego Sanchez. It's still, uh, it's still there for matchups like that. And yeah, even against Ricardo Lamas, who you know better, is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt as well, and a better wrestler than Sanchez. Uh, was able to get to these crazy ride positions, but was could never get to a spot comfortable enough to take backs because Diego tripods so well. Um, just you know, and again, that's what made him and Nick Diaz is so fun. Nick, you know, Nick Diaz really is having trouble getting positions from Diego tripoding, and then when Diego would go to pass, Nick Diaz would go turtle and then tripod, and it was just really great, great exchanges. And and Diego's been able to win and 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 uh, you know contest in those matches all throughout his career. So at plus three hundred now, Jesus Christ! You know what? I, I give me a shot at Diego Sanchez at one unit, but I don't know if I can say you want to follow me off this cliff because caveat: I in the beginning of the week, so we have to submit our picks at the beginning of the week. Um, I, I pick Michael Chiesa, and I like Chiesa, man. I do. He's such a nice guy, and we have him in. I think he can have a great career for the rest of his martial arts career, and then a great career after that. Talking about it and analyst stuff and. I think he's great, but uh, I submitted him early and uh, I did a pick change today. And every time I've done the late pick change, I was wrong. So in other words, I should have stuck with my gut. So we'll see if the curse breaks here. But on that beat, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're gonna break down the prelims of UFC 239 right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast. And we're back right here in the Protect Your Neck podcast for the prelims, or the rest of the card, I guess I should say, of UFC 239 here in Vegas. 
All right, we spent a lot of time on that main card. It's been a while since I've done that. Kind of felt good, I guess. I don't know, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to go faster, folks, for this prelim. Let's speed this show up. We got Arnie Allen, minus 325. Gilbert El Nino Melendez, plus 265. Y'all, I love Gilbert El Nino Melendez. He's an OG, one of the best lightweights historically. Love the guy, but, I mean, I don't know what's going on, man. Um, thinking about retirement, not good. People are already accusing him of coming in to pick up a check before. Because, remember, he got that big contract back in the day. And made out big and, and was injured for a minute, I think. And then had the USADA thing as well. I mean, it was a USADA, just a positive test. But, uh... Yeah, he does well for himself, as he deserves it, man. I wish all these guys got paid more, but he doesn't want to beat the aforementioned Diego Sanchez back in October of 2013. It's four losses straight. Granted, that was Anthony Pettis, Eddie Alvarez, Edson Barbosa, and Jeremy Stevens, but <sighs> tough times, man. Very tough times. Um, you know, I, I thought he won against Benson Henderson, and if he would have had that UFC title, then you really would, everyone really would be forced to call him one of the greats. Um, you know, of course, his fights with Josh Thompson. He even beat Jorge Masvidal. Uh, although Masvidal had the injured hand and wasn't the fighter he is now, but that was still some good times back in those days. Um, yeah, man, I'm going with Arnold Allen here. Uh, I'm not sure if he gets the finish um, because it's like Arnold Allen, he just, I like that he's fighting more patient. I think he's going to need to do that here. He showed that he could do that in his last fight. Because um, he doesn't want to end up on bottom of Gilbert Melendez. Uh, he's no slouch with the submissions. Obviously, he caught Mads Brunel, for Christ's sake. But I don't know uh, how much you want to sell out for position under the Gil Gilbert Melendez uh, grounded pound. That's going to be his strongest uh, spot, even at this age and this stage of his career. Uh, so, therefore, I think, and for Arnold Allen's sake, I think, you know, hopefully he'll be disciplined out there, but if he does, that means you're going to have less of a chance of going for a finish. Now, he's got some heavy hands, some pop, and he's got some aggressive sensibilities, so, you know, we've seen him, like, the, uh, almost get finishes at the very end of fights. He almost did it his last fight, and of course, against Yeltsin Meza, which should have been, you know, a third round, uh, third round TKO or KO there. Uh, very similar to the OSP, um, uh, I know you guys are shouting at me on the podcast. What's his name? I can see his name. Dominic Reyes fight. Um, yeah, uh, so, you know, he flurries at the end of the rounds, which is good. He's going to secure those rounds. I just don't know if he's going to get the finish, man. I mean, we see El Nino, even in this advanced stage of career, with one leg just kind of fighting on. The dude's a savage. Um, the pick is Arnold Allen, probably by decision. Um, although... Hopefully, for his case, he gets a finish because, boy, would that be a statement if he's able to finish El Nino Melendez. But I, I think Allen just gets it done by decision. Uh, heart's, heart, heart's there for uh, Gilbert, but uh, I ain't touching this, and don't blame anybody using uh, Arnold Allen for a parlay piece. All right, uh, Marlon Vera, minus 400. Uh, no Helen Hernandez. No Helen. No Helen. Sorry. <laughs> there's, there's, there's the funny name for the, for the, for the episode. No Helen. Hernandez, uh, plus 325. Dude, no is, uh Dude, this guy is pretty good, man. Like, it looks like we're getting a guy on sh short notice. Like, uh, last week with, uh, what was his name that surprised me? The guy I didn't do any study on, Newsom. And he actually was, well, he actually impressed me despite, you know, be, being a loss. Uh, granted, it's not going to be fucking top contender. But you know, as far as a guy short notice, that young in his career, like, you've got to appreciate certain things and that composure. Um, and I see that here with no handling. He's got really good composure. Uh, really keeps a high guard. Leg kicks, jabs, works well off the left hand. Can counter, can crash. Uh, I've seen him even get knocked down three times in one round and keep his composure and then score the hardest of all the knockdowns on, on his opponent at the very end of that round. Uh, I can't remember what the fight that was off the top of my head. But, yeah, this dude's legit, man. Um... I think he only has one loss. I'm going to pull up his record. I'm going to pull up No Hanlands record right now. But uh, I really liked what I saw. I didn't see his most latest fight, but I kind of just sprinkled and watched what I could kind of throughout his uh, his career. But he trains consistently at uh, AKA. He's from that area. Uh, Gilroy. Gilroy High School. So you know DC's got love for No Hanlands. Uh, 
uh, Vince Cachero, yeah, that was unanimous decision, and that was, uh, you know, and, and, and you know, uh, that's not a bad loss. I guess I'll just say that I, I didn't see the Fierce Taylor Jr. loss back in 2017. He lost by a rear naked choke. I wonder if he just got caught by something there and ended up giving his back. Beat Martin Day, who had a surprisingly good short notice fight over in China uh, in the UFC Hawaiian kid, but uh, yeah, TKO'd him, gave him his first loss. Um, but yeah, man, uh, do not be, I think, no, Helen, if Vera's having an off night, if Cheeto's having an off night, um, no, Helen could steal some scorecards. Uh, that being said, Cheeto Vera has shown much better boxing. I mean, the body shots he's been hitting, uh, just, you know, connecting his game overall, he'll still switch from Southpaw to Orthodox, but he just has more sharpness in his options and reactions. You know, the process is always going to be something where you're, you know, I don't know if it's ever going to be a strong point of Cheeto Vera's game. He's going to be an opportunist. But um, I think that his improved striking, the fact that he is so disciplined, he gets right back in the gym, he's always eating well, uh, always improving. Uh, I, I think he's going to win this fight, which I know isn't a big stretch. Obviously, he's a minus 400 favorite. I'm just saying it's not going to be as easy as people think, man. There's no Helen kid. He looks like he's in shape still off of a boxing and MMA fight that he had earlier this year. Um, he looked like he was in shape when he got the call. Uh, and I think Cheeto Vera is going to, you know, unless he's finding a lot of success in the feet, I have a feeling he's either going to play it smart slash not like what he's feeling to a certain extent, perhaps on the feet, and really go for the submission. He's not much of a takedown guy. He's more of an opportunist. But on paper, that's where he's just going to have the biggest skills gap. So um, I played Vera by sub plus 240. Because that line was just pretty. Uh, I, I just. I think that's his. I think that's his best path on victory. And whether he knows it or not, or whether y'all know it or not, I think No Hanlan is going to kind of uh, bottleneck him into. You know, you better take me down and sub me. Otherwise, this fight's not going to. It's going to be a long night. Um, and I know that's a bold statement, I guess, but I. I believe what my eyes see. And uh, No Hanlan, that looks pretty good. I'm going to stop torturing you guys with that name. All right, next fight. Um, Next fight, Claudia Gadelia versus Random Marcos. Uh, this was another one I was to giving a lean on on the podcast. Uh, as Marcos says, "Where my dogs at? From the front to back, is she feeling that?" And she still is uh, a dog that I like, but a little less uh, than yesterday. So yeah, um, and and yeah, it's kind of blasphemy because Gadelia trains uh, some extreme couture, uh, trains with my man. Bryce Wu-Tang Harley. He's spec. Uh, love my man Bryce Harley there. Uh, so, yeah, oh, blasphemy. Oh, these fireworks are close. Sounds like right in my backyard, like next to my backyard. These people are setting things off. Yeah, this, well, it's, it's late afternoon now, so that makes sense. Um, all right. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Any face. Kind of face. Where the hell was I? I'm distracted now. Uh, yeah, uh, it's essentially just, Gadelia gets tired, man. Like, I, I think she won the first round, but, I, you know, Marcos isn't called Volkevich on the ground. I don't think she's going to give up the fast sub like that. Um, and she's going to scramble and work like hell and make Gadelia work. I basically just think Marcos is going to outwork Claudia Gadelia here. Uh, you know, Marcos still kind of just, kind of just does her makeshift camps, I think, between two, two gyms. But she's kind of been doing that for a minute now. She's kind of always jumped around. And perhaps that, that has to do with her inconsistency. We'll see if she can finally break that streak. In my opinion, she could have broken that streak like once or twice already if a split decision or draw maybe goes her way. So I don't know how much to look, really look into that. Um, but if you really can look at, you know, and then and on the other hand, if you look at Gadelia's record, it could be under arguably underwhelming. Um kind of for what, what she's done, I guess, uh, so to speak, uh, or, you know, the clout she has carried coming in and carried throughout. I mean, the Esparza fight, she probably should have lost. Kovalkiewicz, I you know, I love Carolina, but she's been pretty exposed, and now everybody kind of realizes that. I love me some Courtney Casey, but Courtney Casey is one of the worst records, right, doesn't she, uh, in the, that division, even though she's a beast and all respect to her. Um... Jessica Aguilar, who retired, and uh, Tina Linimaki. That's her UFC wins. I mean, you know, uh, 
you know, granted, she's also only losing to quality people, including you know Ansaroff, which you know some people might not credit, but I, I do. Um, so yeah, I, I'm gonna go with Random Marcos to outwork her uh, in rounds two and three for a decision. I, I threw a unit on Random Marcos at plus two hundred. Um, is that what she was at? Yeah, plus two hundred. All right, next fight: Song Yadong, Yadong Song versus Alejandro Perez, plus one seventy-five for Perez and Yadong favorite minus two ten. Uh, I got Yadong here. <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, yeah. I got Yadong. Um, again, Alejandro Perez, another fighter that uh traditionally just kind of frustrated me for one reason or another. I do give him his due, his due daps and respect at least to stay away from a lot of his fights. Um, and I was going to kind of feel that, but I'm actually going to be using Yadong in some parla as, as a parlay piece for me. Um, at the end of the day, Alejandro Perez, you know, he has respectable offense and will put numbers out there. But anybody that can counter can just fucking nail this guy all day. Now, Sukumta! Sukumta! As, uh, Sukumta! You know, he didn't exactly have the fight IQ in a lot of his fights, right? Uh, let's be honest. I, I like Sukumta, but if we're being honest there, uh, to kind of, you know, secure the wins when he should have got, the, even if he should have got that win, but I'm just saying Sukumta in general. Uh, and, and yeah, but, like, against, like, you look at the Stamen fight, and, like, Stamen was able to counter, and even though he was kind of discouraged for not being able to wrestle as well, uh, that'll be something to look for. Yadong uh, is dong is strong on top, right? <laughs> Yadong really can just drive stuff hard down from on top. But I don't know if Yadong is going to get there with that wrestling. Uh, if it does, it's a really good sign for Yadong. But honestly, I think Yadong's counter is his, his counter right hand, especially. Uh, and maybe he might more emphasize his left a little more in this fight after watching how many guys have had success with their left hand against Alejandro Perez uh, by checking him with check hooks. So check hooks and counter right hands, I think, are going to be the thing to look for from Yadong. And I think he's just going to tag Perez. I don't know if he's going to be get him out of there, but I think he's going to tag him enough uh, and, uh, to make it clear uh, who the winner is, which is always something I very hesitate to say against Alejandro Perez, but I think Perez is overachieved for long enough, people. And it's another record you can poke holes in. Um, it's better than he gets credit for, but also, if you really look at it, there's a lot of those fights he shouldn't have fucking won. All right, um... Next fight, Edmund Shabazian. I don't know why I want to say it like I'm from Pennsylvania. You know, you know Shabazian. I heard of him out there. He's Shabazian. Defazio. Uh Yeah, Edmund Shabazian minus 650. What the fuck? Jack Marshman, plus 475. Um, just for the line alone, you can't deny that there's uh, some, 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 some numerical value there on Marshman. I'm a fan of Marshman. I've defended him when others haven't. I picked him when others haven't. Picked him to beat Tiago Santos, although he got spin kicked. He showed why he's done Santos against the fence. Again, harkening back to those boxing openings. But he keeps doing this fucking Frank Dukes routine, and apparently he's saying it's his last time now. He's like, I'm going to quit, quit the Welsh Army before I uh, day for the fight. I can't even do it. I can't even. I'm not going to try. I haven't listened to Marshman in a second. I can't even try that one, folks. Sorry. That was awful. But, like, how long is he going to do the Frank Dukes impression? And, you know, I guess it worked for him last time, but I didn't score that fight for him. Um, and uh, in a point fight, I think Shabazian is going to, you know, I think Shabazian is boxing is, is still unknown. So I think that's, like, Marshman's best chance. But if Marshman tries to point box him, like in the last fight, I think Shabazian's just fine in there. And then, at, if anything, if he Shabazian already isn't going to take the obvious route and look for takedowns and dust off what he did to Darren Stewart, then he's definitely going to do it if Marshman tries to go kind of point style at him. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I see Shabazian getting it done either on the ground or uh, by decision on the feet, which I know is kind of scary to say after what Marshman just got. That said, I can't lay minus 650 on the guy, and I don't really see an angle I like. I don't even like the overs or unders. Again, surprise, surprise, I actually looked at the overs unders, folks. I just, I, there's never shit that I like these days, and it's just the way they line them, I think, to be honest. Um, I don't really like an angle on this one, to be honest. I could, I could see it being a shit show that goes to the decision, for sure. I don't... I'm not giving it the finish credit that the lines are, but I think people are just looking for angles because he got so goddamn inflated. Um, this earns... Uh, I only have two fights on my avoid list, man, because I feel like... 
some fights, even if I'm staying away, they're clear enough where there's an angle where I'm not going to discourage you enough for an angle because there's either one or two solid angles there. Um, but this one, I just I don't I don't see one. Uh, avoid list. Um, and the others coming up. Well, there's only two more fights, so yeah, duh. All right, Ismail Nardiev minus five fifty. He's getting juiced up there too versus uh, Chance Rencounter or Chance. Uh, don't worry, I'm not gonna keep doing that one. Uh, but uh, yeah, my plus four twenty-five. Um, Southpaw versus Southpaw matchup, which makes it interesting. Uh, neither guy has too much experience, if at all, with that matchup as far as uh, in pro fights. Um, that being said, uh, you know, it may come down to the grappling because Chancery Encounter loves to wrestle, of course. He's a Juco All American. And he's just fucking country tough, dude. He doesn't seem like he gets uh, tired. He just seems like he kind of gets. He, He's there, he's frustrating, he won't go away, he's never been stopped or submitted. So it's kind of a similar test in a sense. He's got a strong uh, wrestling-heavily grappler who doesn't go away and, and you know, uh, and can grind if he needs to. Granted, he's got a decent amount of finishes, and, and Tractor had some finishes on his, though he was more decision-heavy than Ren Counter. Uh, differences, differences, I, I don't think Ren Counter is as good as a grappler as Michelle Pachera is, and... This isn't his UFC debut on short notice. He got the debut out of the way. That is Nardiev. He got the win over Pacheres. Now he's got a, a full camp for the most part, I believe, for this camp. So um, I can't go against him here. I just don't know if it's going to be by inside the distance or not. Um, this guy's striking looks fun. Uh, if he shuts down Ren Counter and discourages him early and makes it a striking battle for the majority of three, then maybe he can get the finish. But I'm going to go Nardiev by decision. All right, next fight. Yes, you guessed it. it. Spoiler alert, it's on the avoid list. Julia Gulia Avelia. Julia Avelia, I should say. Julia Gulia. Minus 200, your favorite. Panny Kianzat, plus 170. Um, I was looking at Panny. There's some interest. I believe Aaron said he, li he likes her or maybe was looking at her. I don't know. Looking at her as an underdog, folks. Get your head out of the gutter. Uh, sorry, that was an awkward pause. I was taking a drink. Weird time to pause there, right? But um, but yeah, uh, I, I don't know. But this is a dog fight. Avila. The reason is Avila looks like she's got a physicality, uh, an anger, a tude, and it's good. It serves her damn well for fighting that not all the girls have, and she has. Um, her boxing's not really the prettiest, but it's good because she has an ugly style. That's what she thrives best in, and I would argue it's what this matchup calls for. Um, Macy Kiesan, who just has a physical advantage over everybody she faces, granted. That was even her game plan, just to make it ugly, and it paid off. Kianzad was striking off the brakes whenever she could. But, uh, yeah, I, I just think that, um, you know, th this kind of fight, uh, you know, um, has troubled her. And now that has made Kianzad better at her grappling. You can't write that off anymore. In fact, she's now actually starting to compete outside. She got her purple belt, competed as that. I think she even meddled in place recently. I mean, she showed it in her fights. I mean, even like what didn't she finish like Landsberg from the Mount back in the day? You go back and watch that fight forever ago. Uh, and then if you go back and forever ago and watch uh, Marion Renault's defeat to uh, Julia Avelia, that was a really ugly affair. But she's kind of just kind of progressed from there, though. Thankfully for her, and her boxing has gotten cleaner since then. But. And she's training with a good girl to train with for this, you know, a, a boxing jiu-jitsu girl, because obviously Kian Zed has has boxing background. She's going to be the better boxer on paper, uh, and we'll have the advantage of that range. But she's training with, you know, Montella De La Rosa, which isn't bad. I mean, obviously more for jiu-jitsu than boxing, but she just has that clean boxing, aggressive pressure style as well. I got to imagine they're great training partners. Uh, they didn't fight too far apart. Um, so that should benefit Avila. Avila. And, uh, and yeah, I'm going to take her here to make it ugly. So long as her chin holds up, uh, both, you know, both girls are, are tough to put away. Um, I don't think she's got the power to do it, put her away Kanzai with strikes. And Avelia doesn't use her Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt as much as I would have expected or hoped to. That being said, it, I, I imagine it's not out of thin air. I imagine it's real. Um, and she doesn't look bad from the things I have seen her do. So... I'm going to go Julia Avila here, but that is one of the fights to avoid. All right, folks. Going to recap the picks and plays here. All right. We got, I got John Jones over Tiago Santos. 
Amanda Nunez over Holly Holm. Taking Ben Askren over Jorge Masvidal. But you know I always got love for the game, Brad. Taking Jan Blakovich over Luke Cockold. Taking Diego the Nightmare Sanchez over Michael Chiesa. Taking Arnold Allen over Gilbert El Nino Melendez. Man, another gangster. Gee, I'm going against. God damn it. Uh, taking Marlon Vera over and Hernandez. Taking Randa Marcos over Claudia Gajelia. Taking... Yadong. Song. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not taking Yadong. I am taking Yadong. I, I'm taking Song Yadong. There we go. I'm taking Song Yadong over Alejandro Perez. Uh, taking Edmund Shabazian over Jack Marshman. And uh, taking Ismail Nordiev over Chance Rachonville. Ren counter. Taking Julia Avila over Penny Kianzad. Uh, Kian Zadavila on the avoid list, so Shabazian Marshman took a shot on Vera by sub at plus 240, sprinkled a quarter on that uh, over the under, possibly underrated Nohanling. Uh, took straight shots on some dogs here. Blocko at plus 185, one unit. Sanchez plus 300, one unit. Marcos plus 200, one unit. Um, you know, parlaying my normal uh, picks, don't blame anybody for using guys like uh, Arnold Allen, some world, maybe even. Uh, songs for uh, parlay pieces that are playable that haven't been chopped up to shit. Either way, I'm going to go enjoy my 4th of July. Uh, hopefully you guys are enjoying or have enjoyed yours depending on when you listen to this. And of course, have a great weekend. Good lucks on your picks and plays. And always protect your neck. <laughs>